Welcome to our Sunday online service. Uh, just coming to you from uh, Cornmill Lane, where we usually get together. Um, just to go straight into what we're looking at today, um, question I have, and a question I just throw out there. How can the church, how can the church live within the world and within the culture that it finds itself and yet remain in its right relationship to God and uh, to the world. We know we live, um, for example, in the United Kingdom and we can identify a few things about the kingdom. Some things are just clear, apparent to us. We can see, we know there is a queen who rules as sovereign over this kingdom. Um, and, but it, at the same time, it can get easily confusing and disorienting for believers living in the world within the human realm or human domain and at the same time living in the kingdom of God. So, um, that said, it's important for us to... Um, in today's passage, just note a few things which um, I'm just going to try and share with us. Uh, we, we, we'll see that we cannot remain as God's children or as, part, people, part, part, as participants in God's kingdom and yet live like we live in the world. And um, what we'll find as well is that, um, you know, God indeed is capable of keeping believers in the world and yet at the same time keeping us in his kingdom. And, but yet God at the same time will not receive those who remain in the world, firmly footed, quite there in the world and um, at the same time claiming to be part of his kingdom. So, in today's text, we're going to be, uh, in today's sermon, we're going to be looking at uh, a sermon based on Paul's letter to the Corinthians. We saw last week, he began to address the question of believers actually taking themselves to court in the world, demonstrating that they are still living in the world, living according to the world standard, according to the world system of justice and yet claiming to be believers. He continues, we're still within that section, so to speak, and as we'll see today, um, he comes home to actually draw some distinctions uh, that are along these lines, that which are these, that because believers, um, because God's kingdom rules out the ungodly, believers must know their place in it, in God's kingdom as uh, contrasted to the world. Also, because God's kingdom rules out the ungodly, believers must stay devoted to God and God's kingdom and not wander in the world. And yet again, because God's kingdom rules out the ungodly, Anyone entering into the kingdom of God 
must come to God by a new birth in Christ for salvation. So um, let's pray. I'm going to read the text that we're uh, looking at today, and then we'll pray. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'm just going to read out verses 9 to 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. Uh, if you have your Bibles open or your phones open, please read along with me so you can follow. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, reading verses 9 through to 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to just thank you for your kingdom. Thank you, Lord God, for bringing us into this reality with you through Jesus Christ. Our prayer, Lord God, is that even while we wait for the fullness of your kingdom to be revealed, while, in fact, all of creation waits for the fullness of your kingdom to be revealed, Lord, establish our hearts in peace, trusting, Lord God, that indeed you who has, be, you who has, you who has begun to build the church, you will establish it, you will show your kingdom, and you will guide us even as we walk in this world, yet not of it. So I pray, Lord, um, guide us even through this uh, short but packed uh, few verses that we may see our relationship with you in your kingdom, even as we continue waiting in the world for your kingdom to be fully manifested. We ask this, Lord, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, um, question, or oh, let's just get a few things uh, 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 clear and get a few things established, even as we uh, begin to consider the, the text in some detail. Now, um, last week again, like I say, we saw Paul talking, uh, uh, giving the, the, the Corinthians uh, a rebuke of actually taking one another to court before the world, rather than sorting things out amongst themselves. Because, of course, in, uh, that, in, the, in the section we saw last week, he highlighted the fact that, hey, look, guys, do you not know that the church actually is ranked higher. The kingdom of God indeed ranks higher than the kingdom of men. Take yourselves to men, yet God's kingdom, God's justice, God's um, righteousness surpasses the kingdom of the righteousness of men. And reminding these uh, believers of the ranking, the high ranking of the kingdom of God compared to the kingdom of men. And we see him also in that last uh, session 
calling the believers to see and appreciate their relationship as well with one another. Uh, Pastor Mike went great, great deal into that. Again, just reiterating the forgiveness and the grace of God that we have received as believers. And so by extension, can only give as believers one to another. Now here, Paul goes on in this section we're looking at to just help the believers see their relationship to the world. Now let's get some, uh, I, I started out saying, want to just establish some things about the kingdom of God. Just to help us establish that, it is, the kingdom of God is indeed that spiritual kingdom. It's uh, not like we can identify the United Kingdom, the United States of America, Iraq, Nigeria. These are all kingdoms in their own rights. These are all kingdoms with their own governments. But there is also a kingdom of God. Now, for those who are believers, uh, for whom these truths might be well established, patience, relax. There will be those who are also believers for whom these truths may not yet have been well grounded. Because this is the thing that Paul begins as we go into the text later on to see that you'd be surprised to find he's asking the question as we read. Now, it's, it's a spiritual kingdom. Um, Jesus took pains to try and explain this. And we'll see in a couple of encounters, one with Pilate on the night where Jesus was, um, uh, where, where Jesus was, held, where, where Jesus was brought to, to trial before Pilate. Pilate, there's a conversation going on. Pilate calls for Jesus to be brought to him. And he asks him, uh, are you a king? And Jesus responds, the conversation goes on. I mean, is this your question or do people tell you about me? And Pilate's kind of getting tired and fed up. Am I a Jew? I mean, your own people brought, brought, me to, brought you to me. I mean, why? What have you done? And Jesus in that conversation outlines, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. It's not an earthly kingdom. I've given you examples of a few. And it says, if it were, my followers uh, would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. So we see one difference there. The kingdom of God is not of this world. Um, and Jesus also makes clear to um, Nicodemus something about the nature of this kingdom and the subjects in the kingdom. The subjects in the kingdom are spiritual. They are people who have uh, been born again. They are new creatures who have been born again, born of the Spirit of God. The account of this is in John chapter 3, and um, you can look at verses 3 to 6, where Nicodemus is asking Jesus. Jesus has told him, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus's question is, how can a man be born when he is old? Uh, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Basically, they identify in the fact that the subjects of the kingdom are spiritual. 
they're not he, we're not talking human being now because obviously if it were the case uh, Jesus would have said something else or something to affirm Nicodemus's question now why is this important why is this key here we need to, we need this to establish and see and help us see what's going on in this conversation like i said first point because god's kingdom rules out the ungodly believers must know their place in it in contrast to the world um he asked the question in verse 9 don't you realize or don't you know do you not know that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of god there is something at stake the kingdom of god is at stake being a part to that kingdom of god is at stake being a part to the kingdom of god when it is um fully um manifested or is, is at stake and um paul asked the question and says don't you know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of god i mean have you guys not perceived it already have you guys not um understood or seen that those that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of god if you're a believer again like i said please pay attention because this may seem too obvious but it's evident from the issues that paul has covered so far in his letter that um this is not clear to the believers i mean the kinds of things he has addressed so far and i've mentioned some of these already uh you, you if you look for example going back through the letter to the corinthians so far uh that you find that paul has asked this same question do you not know don't you realize and actually throughout the letter as we've been talking about it being a corrective one uh he asked this question up to 11 times and first we see him asking don't you know that you are the temple of god and that the spirit of god dwells in you you can see the spiritual nature of the kingdom coming out again he's challenging the carnal attitudes he asked that question where he was challenging the carnal attitudes of the corinthians regarding the work of their leaders they were more concerned with oh i follow apollos i follow paul but yet paul is saying guys don't you know don't you know that you are the temple of god and the spirit of god dwells in you they fail to recognize the spiritual reality of themselves as being the body or the temple of god and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6 he asked them again don't you know last time uh, i shared with us from this letter we were looking at the issue of sexual immorality and right there paul asked don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump basically challenging their failure to tackle sexual immorality and even challenging their their um decision even to go as far as endorse it by failing to exercise discipline in the church again failing to recognize 
the re reality of the spiritual nature of, their, of the kingdom that they're a part of. And last week, don't you know that the saints shall judge the world? Another reality of this spiritual kingdom. These things are not just sounds, are not just sound bites that Paul's picking out to make the, you know, to make the letter look rich. He's talking reality here. These are real things. Um, the saints shall judge the world. The saints shall judge angels. This is real. Um, and how much more things pertaining to this life. So basically challenging their decisions to take one another to court because they don't recognize the ranking of the church, as I mentioned earlier. Now, with having to do with all such issues, does it surprise you that Paul should ask um, what we might mistake for a simple question that he has such an obvious, that has such an obvious answer? Can you see the corrupting influences of these things to teaching the gospel? What if these guys don't know? Paul might be wondering, because these things point to that. All these questions he's asked them point to the fact that they might not know the realities of the spiritual nature of the kingdom of God. Now, further still, are there actually um, any think? Are there actually any that thinking that they can carry on living like they were? before coming to Christ, before coming into Christ, in quotes. So the question is right, and it is well posed, if indeed there are any carrying on in ignorance of the spiritual realities of the kingdom, living like, well, it's just life as normal. We're still in the world, aren't we? I mean, the world does this, so can we. The world enjoys, you know, a little sexual immorality now and again. We'll come to that. So can we. But we're all here. It makes no difference. We're still in the world. But there is a spiritual kingdom. There is a reality. The kingdom of God is real. God reigns in that realm. Jesus is Lord in that realm. All those who belong to God through faith in him and place their hope in eternal life and wait for the manifestation of that kingdom are in that realm with God. Um, so it's necessary to drive this point home. And Paul poses the question, do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Of course, out of concern for those who may mistakenly think it is something, it is no different we're in the world. Um, we're in the world, and I don't see any difference here. We can carry on like we do, you know. But Paul is describing those who violate, who have violated justice, who are unjust, who are unrighteous, uh, who are wicked, uh, who are treacherous. Do you know any people like that? Do they claim to be believers? Are they part of the church? These are the ones Paul's addressing right now. These are the ones Paul's addressing in Corinth, and based on these truths, we're also addressing right now. It's important to note and ask the question, do you not know? 
that they, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. So perhaps you're part of the church somehow, whether by, you know, some warm feeling someday and decided to be a part of a church or I've always grown up, I've always lived in church, I grew up in church, and this is what I do. And yet, finding that the things that Paul highlights here, these distinctions between the spiritual reality and the earthly reality, both going on at the same time, there can't be these distortions or um, um, misalignments for the believer live one, live like in the world, but still claim to be part of the kingdom of God. Uh, that cannot be. God will not um, adopt such as live in that manner uh, as his own children. So it's important to know that difference. It's important to know that difference. Um, don't be surprised to find people like this in the church. Church, don't be surprised to find people like this in the church. Uh, it, it raises the question, as to if they are aware of the fact of the spiritual reality of um, the new birth and even of the, of the kingdom of God. Now, um, second point, as we move on, because God's judgment rules out the ungodly, or because God's kingdom rules out the ungodly, believers must stay devoted to God and not wander into the world. We've kind of covered this already um, in trying to, you know, tackle these few verses. But let's look at a few things that Paul highlights here, just to make it clear uh, what he's talking about when he's specific, when, he, when he's looking at the unrighteous. And the list is not, on, it's not exhaustive, what we find in the latter part of verse 9 and verse 10. Those who indulge in sexual sin. This is present. And indeed, it's, I mean, you don't have to go too far. I think I said this the last time uh, we were looking at this letter together. We don't have to go too far to see, um, to encounter sexual scenes in media and uh, the, the, the proliferation of sex as even as a sales tool and as a you know thing to attract number of views and and hits on all kinds of media all kinds of platforms you know um but saying that let's i mean I, 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 let me let me resist the temptation to dwell long here because i'm, I'm kind of i'm watching the time not let me not say i'm kind of watching the time i'm, I'm watching the time and i want to clock here okay um those who worship idols what objects do we have to make the worship of god easier that we have now substituted for the god who we worship, you know? What objects do we have that, to make the worship of God easier that we now substitute for the God who is we worshiped, you know? I'm just standing here looking at my Bible and thinking, hmm, this is a uh, study Bible. It's a MacArthur study Bible, you know? 
Uh, knowing I mentioned MacArthur Study Bible, for some people, their ears might just perk up. Oh, that guy's gangster. He's a real big gun when it comes to teaching God's word, you know. I'd love to have a MacArthur Study Bible. But, excuse me, will the Bible become an idol? Will it be such that um, wherever I'm going, I want to show and demonstrate that I've got a Bible and just, you know, have it along with me and show myself to be a serious, you know, serious serious handler of the word of God by the size of the Bible I carry. I make, I make too much of that point. Let me move on and not over-egg it. Um, do, we, do we then cease to worship God because of the objects that we have um, gotten to, to aid our worship of God and worship those objects instead? Whatever it is, it can't represent God, definitely. How about those who commit adultery? Men women who would destroy the relationship, the sacredness of the marriage relationship with sexual infidelity? Or um, how about those who clamor for um, success at any costs? At any costs? How badly do we want to succeed and how far would we go, you know, always aggressively trying to get to the point of, yeah, look what I've achieved. I mean, see me and my, you know, all my achievements and my wealth and everything behind me. Um, what about drunkards? Uh, those who drink uncontrollably. In our day, I mean, this is obviously something that... Um, <laughs> How do I put this? I mean, dr drink substance and all kinds of dependencies. There are issues that are seemingly regarded as illnesses now, whereas um, God in the kingdom of God, this looks at this as this is uncontrolled drinking. Now, obviously, I didn't miss out the other two. Uh, in Corinth, they had male prostitutes, they had idol worship that involved um, sexual promiscuity, and as well, they practiced homosexuality. The history is replete with accounts of Roman emperors who were actually engaged in homosexuality. I think about nine of the 15 of them, even in some cases married to people of the same sex. Now, I'm not jumping on a hobby horse here, but the point is this. In God's kingdom, this is sin. Uh, sadly, this is something which the church uh, seems to think that God can make adjustments or allowances for uh, in trying to keep with the laws of men or in trying to keep and fit in with society. I mean, which kingdom are we in here? Is it the kingdom of God or is it the kingdom of men? Men can legislate and make laws as they will. It's, 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 it's in their power to do so. But um, will men make law for God? Will men make rules for God? Will men describe how God reigns in his territory? I mean, will men, uh, what's that word they use when it comes, when they, when they declare war? Will men violate the territorial integrity of the kingdom of God? You know, 
So, <laughs> Pastor Ephraim, <laughs> will men violate the, the territory, the spiritual, the territory of the kingdom of God? Will they do that? Um, so, this is the point, and God makes this clear through Paul to the church in Corinth, and I think these things um, bear no laboring on, on them again. These things are clear as well to the church in this day. None of these, none who have these as a lifestyle, as an unbroken pattern of living, will inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be mistaken. Yes, uh, there, may be, there may be some right there who, you know, throwing tomatoes at the screen right now. I don't know wherever you're watching this. That Oh, look at them, hypocritical. They, they sin as well. I mean, I've, I caught a guy who was, who, was, who was a Christian and he came to steal from my shop and all that. That's not to say God is unable to forgive. Christians don't live perfect lives. And we're not making excuses. It's, it's God who justifies us. We will see in the next point. It's God who makes people right with him in his kingdom. According to the kingdom of God. According to the law of God. According to the commandment of God. But um, none of these who live like this. This is how I roll. This is my pattern of living. I'm greedy. I'm a thief. I'm a drunkard. Or abusive. Or I cheat people. I can't expect to inherit the kingdom of God. So believer, these things may be going on in the world where we are right now. It may be permitted. It may be endorsed, promoted, all kinds of campaigns and promotions, positive affirmation, call it whatever. Um, it doesn't make these things right with God. Mark that difference and know where you're uh, know to which kingdom you belong and live accordingly. Um, so you can see this is not nitpicking because Paul is led to list all these sins, each of them, and the list is not exhaustive. That will bar people who want to live in this way from entering into the kingdom of God. How much further do you want to go, believer, to understand Paul's warning not to drift from godliness? You see, we have Christ Jesus as an anchor for our souls. We can decide to, um, we can decide to just live us, uh, you know, stay in the world without anchoring and holding on to Christ. But trust me, when the tide comes in, whether it's some wave of new doctrine, whether there's some kind of endorsement of some new thing which the world has come up with, be rest assured You'll be easily found out at sea and far away, far removed from the safety of the presence of God. Now, again, this is not a push for social activism or trying to change the laws of this culture. This is the kingdom of men. However, changing those laws will not bring anyone from the kingdom of men into the kingdom of God. So, what will, what will bring people into the kingdom of God and brings us uh, soon to our third point. But before we get there, at the beginning of verse 11, Paul raises a point. Some of you were once like this. Some of you were once like this. Do you know that you have fellowship with people who were like this? 
Um, is that a great thing or isn't that a great thing worth celebrating for people who have actually been redeemed, people whose lives have actually been turned and changed, people who've actually been set free? I mean, there's a brother, uh, uh, um, I wouldn't mention names, but who I catch up with now and again. And boy, life is just simple and sweet compared to what it was years ago. You know, life was hard without God. Life was hard away from God. Life was difficult and complicated and yet not easy. But now in Christ, freed from um, the sin that he was engaged in, the th- among these kinds of things that Paul talks about here, his brother is living and enjoying it, testifying of God's goodness and faithfulness to, um, to, to, to his word. Okay? So please, the point is this. Um, stay anchored to Christ and question as we ask. Going on, this leads us on to the, the last point. Were you saved? Were you saved? If living like this is, is a struggle, or living like this is something that we can just, just cannot get away from, were you saved or were you just reconditioned? I mean, I'm looking at an iPhone here that's doing the filming and it reminds me of, an, of, of a point I was thinking about. You know, you want, you might want to go and get a new iPhone 11, but can't afford the thing, so you go and get a reconditioned one. As believers in Christ, have, have we come into church, you know, kind of like reconditioning the way, reconditioned from the way we lived in the world, simply reconditioned but not saved? We have some kind of a testimony or church history or church experience that is not founded or based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice and his death on the cross, you know? You might be pondering, how can these things be? Very, very possible. It's, it's, it's not uncommon. It's, it's a common experience. Now, coming home, a third point, because God, God's kingdom rules out the ungodly, anyone coming to Christ must come to, anyone coming to the kingdom, rather, must come by the spiritual birth in Christ for salvation must come by the spiritual birth in Christ for salvation. I believe I skipped a point here, but you were cleansed. You were cleansed, verse 11. You were cleansed. Some of you know, and I'm sure every one of us know, that our lives have been cleansed. Uh, We were thieves, adulterers, fornicators, drunkards, the kind of things Paul talks about in in, in verse 9 and 10. But we know the rest our soul has found when Jesus actually comes in, physically liberates and takes us out. I mean, I like these action movies. I'm thinking, you know, Jesus does does a very super exfiltration, gets us out from the hands of Satan. Things that actually threatened life and limb. And brings us to rest. Like, boy, where's all those troubles? Where's all those palavers? I don't make promises of that, that that's the case. 
in, in, every, in every situation. There are people who, for Christ's sake, have been crucified. Literally. People who, for Christ's sake, have been beheaded. But um, you were cleansed and you were made holy. Do you see what, what Paul's saying here? These Corinthians didn't do these things themselves. They didn't cleanse themselves. The Corinthians did not make themselves holy. They didn't clean up their act in order to come to God. They didn't make themselves right with God in order to come to God. That's a common phrase you hear these days. I want to, I want to, I want to get right with God, you know. But um, God made them right with him. And how did he do this? By calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. God gives this promise. Just as the son, just as the serpent, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, um, so shall the son of man be lifted up. That may be way over many people's heads. But here's the thing. And I'll, I, I, permit me to just close on and tell this, this story. Imagine a people going on a big journey through a desert. I mean, Pastor... Ah, why well, I forget his name in Colorado. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, a pastor who was one of our trustees, you know, his, eh, Matt, Pastor Matt Cotman. This guy goes and runs and sees rattlesnakes. Like I'm thinking, boy, you you're just playing with your life here. <laughs> but imagine. People going through a desert, hundreds of thousands of people going through a desert filled with rattlesnakes and everything, and then these things come start biting them, and God makes provision. Uh, this is before Christ. God makes provision and tells Moses, Moses, you know what? Take a bit of brass there, hammer out what looks like a serpent, put it up on a post. If anybody gets bit by one of these snakes, Here's what's going to save them. All they got to do is look up at that brass serpent that you've put up there and they will not die from its bite. In the same way, Jesus says, just like Moses lifted up that serpent, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And this is how those who come to be in Christ, who come to be part of the spiritual kingdom, get into the kingdom. They turn to Christ for salvation. They look to Christ and call upon his name. They see, we see the futility of our life in this world. We see our need for forgiveness. We see how we fall short from God's moral law. Who could measure up to that list just now? But God makes us right when we call upon Jesus Christ and by his spirit brings us in and gives us new life through Jesus Christ as part of his kingdom. So we said that um, for, the, for the, because God's kingdom rules out the ungodly, believers need to note and take note of um, 
that contrast, that difference, recognize the spiritual kingdom that we live in as distinct from that which is in the world. Believers also need to indeed stay connected and hooked in to the kingdom of God because that's where our life is hid in Christ. And besides, for anyone looking for this promise of everlasting life in the kingdom of God, we've got to come into that kingdom through the provision that God makes in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you. And um, Lord, I just ask for your grace again upon us all. There isn't any one of us that does not need the salvation that you bring, that you offer, that you hold out for us in Christ. Lord, I pray that um, even in this, you've, it, it's all clear to every one of us, regardless of where we stand, whether as new believers, whether as those who have just come and be part of the church, whether as those who live a lifestyle that is contrary and not according to your kingdom. Lord, I pray that for us all, we're again reminded and established in the work that Jesus Christ has done, anchoring our souls right there so that we're not blown or moved away, even with the changing currents in the world. Lord, thank you for this. Um, establish this, Lord God, for each and everyone hearing this voice, even including myself. We pray and we ask in Jesus' name. God bless you. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.